This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by UBCP ACTRA, a.k.a. the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists, the national organization of professional performers working in the English language recorded media in Canada. For more information about UBCP ACTRA, visit ubcpactra.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Rani Firminger, and today... Well, today I am thrilled, thrilled, I tell you, to welcome Mareka, like Jamaica, Hendrix to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thanks uh, for having me. Oh, I'm very happy you're here. <laughs> I'm very happy you're here. Okay, so I'm going to say the thesis statement now. You ready? Yes. Okay, here we go. I feel like I know Mareka very well already even though I only just met her a couple of weeks ago. But I know her voice. It's a voice that has dazzled my young person, my young child, who is not so young anymore, almost 13, in numerous animated projects over the years. From Slugterra, to Johnny Test, to Beat Bugs, to Nexo Knights, to Equestria Girls, Rainbow Rocks, AKA one of the best Battle of the Bands films ever, to Polly Pocket, to a very long list of Barbie movies, to Black Lagoon, to Sausage Party. The next are more recent additions to the oeuvre. Basically, as my kid has grown up, Mareka's voice has followed us. Good Lord, that sounds a lot more foreboding than I, I mean it to sound. I liked it. I almost yeah. did a, aw. That was what my internal thing was. It's, I, I heard it more nice. like, Mareka's voice follows us wherever we go. We can't escape it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what I'm trying and failing to capture is Mareka's vocal versatility. Am I saying your name right? Yeah. Mareka? Yeah, Mareka. Like Jamaica. Mm -hmm. Okay. Honestly, until today, I didn't realize that Revy and Sonata Dusk and Mom Pocket and Lola and Susan Test were all voiced by the same artist. And yet they were, and remarkably so. So today, I want to lean in and truly listen to this voice, this voice that follows us wherever we go, as she answers a variety of questions that I have for her about anime, about voice booths, about joy and AI and throat care. Mareka Hendricks, hi. Hi, Sabrina. Welcome to Thank the YVR you. Screen Scene Podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. What is your response to the thesis statement? Well, the thing that stuck out about the thesis statement is the idea that you said something about it's an ominous thing. 
<laughs> That's my favorite. Oh. <laughs> if I was to be anything in the world, ominous. Ominous. And like... <laughs> Um, no one can see me doing this gesture. No, you got your your hands are up. Yeah, yeah. I that kind of dark. Mm. Uh, projects like things that I enjoy watching myself. Yeah. Um, and the characters I really like playing are those ominous, dark nasty kind of dirty I mean Remy's a nihilist murderer yeah yeah Yeah, that's my favorite character I've ever played in my life like in and amongst all the different even genres like theater and um, on camera I used to do both those Um, yeah she's my favorite by a long shot fantastic yeah I loved 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 playing her okay we're gonna put a pin in her yeah which uh She'd be mad at and she would not like it and call me a bunch of racist names. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Uh, But we know we are going to take that pin out very soon because I mean, it's very interesting looking through your list, too, and like, you know, watching various reels and compilations or whatever. She really sticks out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As well. I think in general like that, we, you know, as you said, we'll put a pin in it. But yeah, it's, it's sort of a even a like a show that sort of stands out to some degree because of all that energy shall we yeah. call it for now delightful yeah De- delightful ominous energy yes all right so um now you are new to the wyvern screen scene podcast you haven't yes. listened to episodes so nope. one thing that we like to do at the beginning is to get into our way back machine what is your time travel vehicle of choice you get to choose um my time travel it could be one from popular culture, film and TV. Um, we've had Sarah Canning was like, I just want to go in a rowboat. So I was like, a okay, rowboat. we're getting in the rowboat. <laughs> Can you like take a sports ball, like a basketball or a baseball and like make, make a vehicle out of that? Why not? Okay, that's what I'm going to be. Okay. A flying, a Steph Curry shot basketball. It's like turned into like a Steph Curry shot. I feel like uh, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get injured in there. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna hurt. Yep. But okay, that's the force required to get us whipping around the sun and going back in time. Okay, we are going back to to you at I love the age ten. Mari's not ten, but when Mari was ten, I feel like that was Mari in their purest form. A lot of people are, you know, you're just double digits. You know, a lot of kids at that age have a good idea of who they are or what they like or what they don't like. Bring us back to you at 10 years old. Where are we? Who are we? I'm in the basketball. I'm trying to get my feet again. Where are we going? <laughs> oh, I want to puke. This is awful. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, 10. Um, I was very into, I mean, a couple of things. Uh, I had a I had hobbies that I still have today mm. um, and interests that I still have today, I would say. So your point, you know, making your point about there's a certain aspect of us that are fair, it's fairly formed by then, by yeah. when you're 10 years old and the things that you're interested in. I had wanted to be a performer from the time I was five. That's what I told my mother. Really? Mm-hmm. Did you have performers in your family? None. Huh. Yeah, interesting, hey? It's a good sense of like, it's like you knew who you were at five, you know, to have that ability to recognize who, 
that that's something that you want. Mm-hmm. You know, did you know what kind of performer you wanted to do? Yeah, initially I wanted to be a ballerina. Aww. Yeah, I wanted to, and apparently what I was doing was I was watching ballet on TV and then said, told my mother that's what I wanted to do and I wanted to, you know, act and yada yada. So, but ballet was where I focused and that was what she put me in. She put me in dancing. Yeah. So yeah, at 10, I was still had this idea that that's what I wanted to do um, and was working sort of actively towards that. Um, And simultaneously, so if you told any of my extracurricular activity teachers that I was the way I'm going to explain in school, Mm -hmm. they would have not believed you. Because in school... (laughs) I was the worst, troublemaking, out of control, throwing stuff around the classroom, getting everybody else to join in the nonsense, desk out in the hall for six months. Actually, that was in sixth grade, but uh, in the hall every day, um, absolutely uh, probably the bane of every teacher's existence. Sometimes I wonder if like, if they thought about me, which hopefully they don't, but if they ever thought about me, I'm like, I wonder if they think I'm, I'm surprised that kid's not in jail. Yeah. I wonder if they think that, stuff like that. I find that so, so interesting too, because the contrast, so my sister, um, and I'm using this term lovingly, but my sister grew up a bunhead. Total like, yeah, you know, that's, uh, yeah. I, when I think about my sister's like weekends, you know, in, in uh, elementary school and high school, I can taste the hairspray, the dance competitions. The, Smell the new point yeah, shoes. Oh yeah, Royal Conservatory, Royal Academy of Dance and yep. all of that kind of stuff. And it's very like rigid. You know, Mm -hmm. and the discipline required, Mm -hmm. you know, to, you know, go through the grading and to be a dancer. And and so you're that in your extracurriculars, you're you're pursuing that. And yet at school, you're a hellcat. Yeah. Horrible. Like, yeah, pretty horrible. Um, Is it weird? Like, I almost don't want Mari to hear this. But like, you know, I kind of respect that. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Well, yeah, I mean. I, I, you just didn't like, you know what though, school, certain forms of school, not for everybody. No, it it wasn't. And my behavioral issues stopped when I went to alternative school when I was in high school. There you go. You know, I mean, there's a whole bunch of other things that kind of led up to that, I think. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I was extremely problematic at school. Yeah. Um, And, you know, at 10 as well, I was, um, working at my dance school that was i went to ballet school later on in life yeah but at my dance my local dance school um my mom couldn't afford to send me anymore to um to take classes she said i could take ballet and that was it yeah and the dance teacher um the person who owned the dance school said no there's no way and my mom was like i can't afford it so my dance teacher said well then she'll work for her classes so two to three nights a week and all day Saturdays, I helped her at the studio. So wow. I, I, we, the, she called us demonstrators. So what we did, it was really, it's actually a really cool idea that there are two older kids who are in the jazz class or the ballet class. Um, and they are demonstrating the steps f- so that the children have someone to follow so that the teacher can actually teach and explain and watch each child and give corrections Amazing. so that they're not doing the dancing, they're doing the teaching. Huh. So that was 
So that was probably one of the first times in my life when I realized that there are people who will lift you up, who will um, provide opportunity for you, yeah. who believe in you. Yeah. Um, and so that was... And you had to... And, and gave you the opportunity to shine you know, as well. Mm -hmm. I, I like, it wasn't just like freak. No, you were working for it mm -hmm. as well. Wow. I, I mean, I'm She's sorry. She's amazing. My dance teacher. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around like just how you were one way in school and then a different way. And it, you know, in the other, yeah. the other school, that must've been really exhausting too, you know, to. Yeah. You know, I think for me, probably like, I didn't trust teachers. I didn't, you know. Yeah. I probably needed help, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, there was just a treatment that, you know, you're bad. And so, you know, some of that, I think, probably. You know, I know that um, my darling Nicole mm -hmm. also went through ballet as well. And so did Kazumi. Have, like, the three of you ever talked about, like, your shared ballet? Nicole and I have. Yeah. I haven't really talked to Kazumi much about that. Um, but yeah, Nicole and I have um, yeah. talked about um, talked about dance, yeah, and the ballet and how you've gone. You went through that incredible. Yeah, it was it was cool. I loved it. I mean, I I my my journey into ballet school was interesting in and of itself because I was still juggling the idea. Like when, probably when I was about actually probably when I was about ten is when I realized there was such a thing as Annie. I might have been about eight, maybe, but let's say around 10. Yeah. And that's when I was like, oh, you can dance and sing and act all at the same time. That's when uh, I started yeah. to realize that that was a thing. That triple threats were a thing. That's right. Yeah. So, um, so it, but it wasn't until I got to ballet school um, that eventually they said to me, you're not going to, you're not going to be a ballet dancer. Um, we think you need to get an agent and focus more on musical theater and on camera work and blah blah blah. So that was that was kind of the evolution of that as well. Yeah. But anyway, that's um, that's leaping way forward from ten. You know what? We are in a traveling basketball, so we can we're <laughs> bouncing all. We can bounce. We there is a power in the Steph Curry basketball. Oh and like I'll say, I don't know. Is it is it public knowledge? Like do your do your fans know that you're super into basketball? Yeah. Uh, well, I definitely know. Like somebody put that up on my IMDb page that you're that really I'm obsessed into basketball? with and baseball. So. My sports story is because my I grew up in um, half my life in the suburbs of Toronto and half my life in Toronto. And my father, from the time we were, my brother and I were four and six, we were sitting through nine innings of Blue Jays baseball. Uh -huh. And um, back then, the team wasn't particularly like popular or not so, until 92 and 93 that's right yeah one of some of the best years of my life yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> i too i spent my teen years in the suburbs of toronto oh so, yeah i'm a mississauga kid uh newmarket and i went oh, to yeah. high school in markham unionville oh wow yeah. cool. Yeah. cool 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 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I see you, Ontarian. Yeah. <laughs> um, TV Ontario, baby. That's right. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so that's kind of where my sports obsession. Like, I, I, I went to Argos games all the time, oh. Sundays, all the time with my father. Um, my my dad and I used to cry laughing. My brother wasn't as interested in coming to the Argos games. Like I seem to remember him not being there as much with us. But anyway, we went to see Toronto Blizzard games. Anyway, at the Argos games, my dad and I would cry laughing, and I just remember my dad's. Like 
absolute joy at watching members of the crowd throw around a blow up doll. (laughs) And I kind of was not really sure what that was. I just thought it was funny that it was a naked doll. Yeah. But of course there was, there was more to the story, shall we say. Anyway, so so yeah, that's, so that's some of where my sports obsession, I spent all summer, so many weekends at sporting events, professional sports events. I, um, I have been to your home. Because that's oh yes. that is where you teach, yeah. and that's like so. I I only knew know about this basketball and your sports thing because oh, literally right. within like a, like ten that seconds of being in in your home, you're like, oh, there's a there's some themes here. This is somebody who likes um <laughs> who likes cats, who likes art, very who much likes basketball. Yeah. Okay, yep, yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. Okay, so something. we are in the traveling the traveling basketball through time. Um, what about you know be and. I mean, I have to ask this one because I think we might have grown up at the same time, which I would consider to be like a golden age of the Saturday morning cartoon and of yeah. animated television. Despite yeah. the fact that you are now you are working in another golden age as well of animated television. Sure. Um, but you know, what what cartoons were you watching? Like, what, like what role did you know children's television or animated television you know play in your life as a as a child and as a youth? You know, like. A youth, you know. Were there any like memorable characters or performances that that you know were, were formative to you in some way? Um, I def. I mean, I watched the Flintstones. I liked the Flintstones. Yeah. Um, they I, were a modern Stone Age family. Yeah, they were. They really were. Modern Stone Age family. Um, and I, I watched things like Sesame Street and Mr. Dress Up and all that kind of stuff. Um, I remember that. Yeah. Um, and in. You know, upon moving to Vancouver, I was so amazed by the fortitude of children here because they were outside in the rain playing soccer. Mm. Whereas in where I grew up, if it rains, you have indoor recess and indoor Mm. lunch. So anyway, you had a choice some days. Um, You could go outside or you could watch the Flintstones. And I almost always chose the Flintstones. But other than that, I don't. And there was this one moment in the Flintstones that I still remember. It's when Anne Margrock, so I'm assuming it was Anne Margaret. Anne Margaret, yeah. Came in and did a guest role and she babysat Pebbles. And there's a song that she sings. And I still remember it. It was so, so beautiful. Anyway, so that's something that I remember very, very clearly. Wow. I mean, I know that we don't have the budget to buy the song to pop it into the episode. However, if I can find it on YouTube, I will pop it into the uh, the footnotes for this episode okay. so that we all can enjoy. That's amazing. Anne Marjorock. Yeah, she and played Anne Marjorock. That's awesome. That's, uh, that's my at least that's my memory. Yeah. Watch it'll be completely different. But, <laughs> but that's what I remember. Well, I almost like don't want you to watch it again because yeah. what if it's not as beautiful? It's true. Actually, that, when did you realize though that this was like a job or a career path that you could have? It's actually interesting. Animation wise, I didn't realize until I went to alternative school because at my alternative school was Tara Strong. So I went to high school for a year in this um, alternative high school program with Tara. And that's when I realized- I'm sorry, do you see the fireworks just going off over my head? Nobody could see my jaw dropped. It's like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, this is the the grand dam of of VO, right? She is so unbelievably talented. And she, so just to kind of give some context about the alternative school, it was for kids who were otherwise engaged. So for Tara, she was so busy as an actor that she, it was difficult to attend regular high school. Um, And then we had some athletes, we had, it was a very small program at the time. Yeah. Eventually, it was the high school that Drake went to. 
and all the Degrassi kids. Oh, um, but, you know, okay. that's the biggest claim to fame is, is, is Drake. Anyway. Um, I went to the high school. We had Hayden Christensen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty. Yeah. Univille High School. We were the Arts York program. So it was oh, like, it was similar. like kind of similar to that, but it was like the, a little like school Earl, within the school. Like Earl, Earl Haig. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of like that. Cool. But, but for York region. Cool. Yeah. So yours was more for like the, like working kids, basically. Yeah. yeah kids yeah. who were working or training. And because yeah. I was at ballet school, that was my half day program right um, you should talk to kazumi because kazumi did something so oh, similar okay. yeah with go her. yeah cool okay um where are we i don't know we're in the bounce the bouncing basketball tara oh yeah thank you tara and so tara went to the school for a year the program for a year she actually left because she missed school dances um but that was when i really realized that you could do this and it was her her who encouraged me to do it Wow. So she had a birthday party and she rented a karaoke machine. I saw her at a convention, like whatever, where we talked about this and we were crying laughing because the other person at the birthday party was Nev Campbell. Oh my God. So yeah, there's some, there's some people that I went to high school with in that, in that little program that was some pretty interesting people. Anyway. So I'm trying to picture the, th the three of you doing karaoke. Yeah, so, and there's a story about the karaoke, which I won't get into because I don't want to like tell tales on everybody, but I sang a little- After we record, you'll tell me. <laughs> sure, yeah. I totally okay. will. <laughs> um, so, um, so we, uh, we were, I was singing a song and on the karaoke machine at Tara's house at her sleepover. And she looked at me and she was like, whoa, she was like, you can sing. And then she was like, you should get an agent. That's kind of how that kind of started. So I didn't have an agent until then. I was still, you know, I know. You know what I love about that too? She was such a generous little kid who like had yeah. absolutely no, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yep. shine. Oh my God, I'm going to get emotional. But like seriously, like She's that is it. to shine, you know, is it, oh man, you, you, you don't lose anything at all if you shine your light on somebody else 100%. and lift them up you know like that is and that's something that you know me and Nicole we talk a lot about you know like it's it is it is and it, yeah it is generous and it's rare but also it's like it 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 builds community you're helping people like it's your you lose nothing by doing that my gosh you only gain um, I totally agree with you what I is your to practice it what is your karaoke song this is very important to me what was your well, karaoke song then, if was, you can what remember? What would you think if I told you I always wanted to hold you? Uh, what so would you think? That. Wow. That song. Isn't that hilarious that I just pulled that right out? That's, but yeah, that's what it was. That's what wow. It was. That is that is glorious. Yeah. Wow. And so did you guys stay slightly? I mean, so Tara, though, is like in some ways like the fairy godmother who kind of like sprinkled the just the belief that that's something that oh, that you could do you know um but is that is she some like did you keep in touch over the years or did you no. so did you just like you so you just were ended up working together again like so, yeah so what happened was so she's long gone to los angeles right she, i think she went when she was maybe even 19 i don't quite remember no we didn't keep in touch i think it was more challenging to keep in touch with people now it would have been so much easier if we changed she changed high schools and we would have texted and you know that oh, kid, kids these time. days do not know yeah they don't know that like you know before i mean if if it was before you know the, the mid 90s if you went away like you, maybe your 
your parents had a good long distance That's plan, right. you know, or you wrote a couple letters, Pen but pal. no, it was, it was, you know, ICQ was maybe a thing at the late nineties, early, no, early aughts. No, it was about that. Remember ICQ, yeah, the little flower? It. No, it was it but. was terrible. It was not worth using. And if somebody picked up the phone while you were, you know, talking to somebody, they're yes, disconnected. Disconnected. And then that was it. Oh, it was awful. Yes. Yeah, so if somebody moves away, it was very hard to keep in touch. Very. Yeah. So this is a I, I love this story. Like, so I was did episode five of season one of My Little Pony, hmm. Friendship's Magic the thing that became My Little Pony Friendship is Magic in all caps, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, season, episode five, we don't know what's about to happen. We have no clue, right? So I did, yeah. a, I did this guest role and it just so happened that up from Los Angeles to record in Vancouver was Tara. Wow. So we, I come into the studio and she's already in there. I don't know what she was doing, but... Um, uh, recording, I guess she was recording some lines of something, or maybe she was doing some promos. I don't know what she was doing, but yeah, she came out, and then Terry introduced, started to Terry, the voice director, started to introduce her to everybody, and she looked at me and did the craziest double take. It was like looked at me and pointed at me, and I was like, "Hey, Tara," I was like, <laughs> "I'm Marika," and she was like, "Holy crap!" You are yeah. allowed to swear. I know. Yeah. I know. It's, it's a I thing. Will. It'll come out at some yeah. point. <laughs> um, As I so, told you before we recorded, the voice actors always uh, have really good self-control, but I do try to get them. It'll wow. come out. Trust me. Did you did you tell her that like her role in, in your origin story? Does she know? I feel like I texted that to her once a long time ago. Yeah. But being like the generous person that she is, she probably didn't. It probably barely made a blip on her radar. I don't know. I can't speak for her. Yeah. Um. I. But I. I'm pretty sure I've told her that you know said thank you to yeah. her, um, for that because it was just like, you know, a little like you said, like a little something, a little beacon of light, a little sort of ray of like, oh, you know what, you might be on the right track here. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So yeah. Anyway, so that was like a really cool moment. And then we've been at cons together for my little you know MLP cons. So we've been at a couple of those together. We were at the infamous, um, Las Pegasus Unicon together the infamous the infamous it all crashed and burned in the middle of the weekend it was like the and that was the first convention i'd been to my little pony one it crashed and burned it was crazy it was absolutely crazy i i i am so embarrassed i don't know i don't know Yo. this story i don't know why it's infamous why don't i know this if it's infamous probably maybe i mean people, it, if you know you know and i guess i don't know probably people are a little are, are more dignified than i am to like even bring it up but it was i am a lover well maybe throwing now back to the 10 year old self, I am a lover of chaos to some degree. And so that whole thing just fascinated the living daylights out of me. Wow. It was the whole So like the convention just collapsed. fell apart? Yeah, so- And you I, were there? Yeah. As a guest? Yeah. So there were like- I'm glad you got home. <laughs> we, well, some of us, some people didn't. Oh my God. Like it turned into a thing. So, and not the actors. Because what had happened for me, I can't speak for everybody else. I don't know what everybody else's plans were. I booked my own ticket flight and was expecting to be reimbursed. Right. So I had a flight home. So that was no problem. And I had already, I'd paid for my hotel um, and all that kind of stuff. But there were this, and this is not funny actually, like at all. Like a lot of this is not funny um, or at all like, um, 
you know, enjoyable or anyway, um, there were a lot of like the, the bronies who pay for a weekend and they pay for a package, which often includes hotel and like accommodations and all that kind of stuff. And so the hotel bill wasn't paid by the con organizers is this is my understanding of what had happened oh my goodness and so they were coming to people's hotel rooms and kicking people out oh my god hotel rooms so that's the not funny part that's awful yeah and there were other like that's also awful business practice too. don't get me started yeah (laughs) and part of what what i think was the problem is they had invited way too many guests like they had invited way too many of the actors and and you can't have a convention with that many performers from the show there because it's just it's financially not doable you gotta yeah. pay you know you have to pay for people's hotel you pay for people's the flights per you per diems and, yeah, everything, everything like yeah. a, a, an appearance fee if people are having an appearance fee like it's just not possible and then pay to rent the hotel and anyway so these people i guess thought bigger than they could manage and then oh. it all crumbled and then the, the 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 you know there were moments as i say where that were kind of funny for example like somebody pulled the fire alarm just to top it all off somebody pulled the fire alarm and i was like i'm not going outside and i just hid in the bathroom i was like i'm not going out there um there's no fire c- alarm c- i mean can we be real for a second yes please did you pull the fire alarm no it wasn't me but it might have been my 10 year old stuff like that i never did I never did stuff like that. I was a very cheery, like a cheery little bad kid. Yeah. Strange, strange yeah. vibe. So probably wow. a cartoon. But anyway. I mean, if so, if that kind of thing. So I will say, like, I spent this last weekend watching chaos and a total clusterfuck in Russia. Right. Yeah. As a Ukrainian person, I'm watching that on social media, being like, "What is even happening?" And mm-hmm. kind of like weirdly enjoying it. Yeah. No, totally not weirdly, gleefully mm-hmm. enjoying like the chaos because for a, for a moment they weren't trying to kill us. Yes. Like they were, you know. Yep. Um. And so I like I get the glee and the just like being like what the f-? like you feel like you're in a story like there are moments oh, yeah. where you're just Absolutely. like i know that that i need to take note of everything that's going on because this is i will be talking about the story you know for years and years so so you and tara were at that uh together we i'm were. sorry i'm trying to remember what we the were. spark that began yeah that, that began story. ramble i am a rambler too so. well you know what the best people are gonna yeah. love i already know people are gonna love this episode it's gonna be a favorite episode already because even though you haven't listened before and I'm not giving you a hard time, but this <laughs> often happens, right? This is the following the uh, the conversation, the thread. Um, convos are good. Yeah, I, I I love a good convo. I'm gonna br- so we're in the basketball now. We're gonna bounce back to. Okay. You know, I because I know, and I I would we haven't addressed this, but I would I'm I'm assuming. Um, because I love to, I love to sing. That's the thing that I, I personally enjoy. And I have found that when I'm sitting here at this, in this, well, I'm, I'll stay in the basketball, in the bas- the bouncing basketball of the podcast, um, yeah. that I, I get that same kind of feeling. Now I'm curious, you know, I'm assuming that you had a certain feeling when you were dancing, you know, mm. when was it, when was the first time that you felt that kind of feeling, you know, in the voice booth doing this kind of work? You know, are there was was, was there or, or or you know, was it a new kind of feeling that you found in the belt? I'm going to okay, the basketball, I'm sorry. I I can't make this We'll move it on. Yeah, it's we'll park it. it's done. Okay, it's we'll right there. It. Yeah. Hmm. I think cuz I started doing VO when I was pretty young. That it just, so for example, my very first uh, audition for an animated series, 
um, I was used to doing on-camera auditions and you have a reader for on-camera auditions. So I was in the booth, you can't see anybody, right? Like everybody's outside and I'm short for those of you who've never seen me before. Um, so I was in the booth and I delivered my first line in the audition and then there was silence and there was silence and there was silence. And finally I was like, is anybody gonna read with me? <laughs> and they were like, oh no, you, you, you read all your own lines when you're doing animation auditions. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, that would have thrown, you know, an adult actor, right? Yeah. That would have just been, but it was just like, oh, okay. Like that was literally my reaction, oh, okay. And then moving along to do it. So I think that kind of, I felt comfortable mm. um, to, to, to just do what was required. Yeah. Um, and I enjoyed the, the practicality. That's one of the things I like about VO, yeah. about being a voice actor, is it's what is required and how do we get there? There's not a lot of extraneous nonsense. Hmm. And by that, I mean, are you tall enough? Do you have the wrong color hair? Blah, blah. Uh-uh. It's what does this character need and who's best for it? That's That's what I like about it. Yeah. It's, it's almost very straightforward and super clear. There's something about sound that is um, like, I don't know, like the word undeniable comes up. Like you can't misinterpret it Yeah, in a way. I'm yeah. sure people can prove me a million ways wrong with that statement, but yeah, I don't know. There's something, <laughs> anyway, so that that was kind of where I felt. I just, re I didn't know I was comfortable. I just was comfortable. I never gave it a second thought. Yeah. You know, as you can see from looking at my wall of pictures, I have <laughs> I have had quite a few voice voice performers on. I've never heard that answer though. I love oh. that. Yeah, it's it's making me think about it in a well in a different way. Or you've expanded. Hmm. I see. I think how I see it. Cool. What about joy? What role does joy play in the work that you do? It plays a role such that that's what I want to give the people who are listening and watching mm. in every aspect of my work when I used to do, you know, other things other than VO, is that it's a real, for me, a real privilege to be able to have people experience something maybe in that they don't experience in their regular life mm. when they're sitting in the theater being the sort of, the audience is always the omnipotent being that is there with us. Whether we are in a theater and the audience is just like, it's theater in a way is kind of hilarious. Like there's these people on stage and then there's all these people sitting there quietly watching them with, you know, fascinated, fascination. The audience is always that person that is there with you. And how do you best bring them into that story? How do you provide space for them to meet you there? And so that to me is the focus because being able to make space for people, being able to um, open up the story for them to come in and experience something different, something unique in the world or in, you know, like for example, we we're talking about old car cartoons, the Jetsons, like that, what was that? That was not happening anywhere in, in the world. Yeah. Um, anyway, so for people to be able, that, is a joyful experience. Mm -hmm. Even when somebody is watching a, you know, a, a play where everybody at the end dies. 
a cartoon where you've got, for example, Black Lagoon, a bunch of mercenaries mm. killing a whole bunch of people for money. But there's a certain joy, despite the subject matter, that one gets from stories. Mm. And so for me, that's that's how joy informs what I do. Also, it's, you know, the only thing I've ever wanted to do with my life for work. And I take great joy in being able to to be a performer and um, I feel lucky. Yeah. What is a Mareka Hendrix role? By that I mean, what needs to be present in a role mm -hmm. to get you really excited? A strong perspective. Mm. For me, a little bit of attitude and stubbornness. Yeah. Because, you know, when you look at somebody, you mentioned Lola from mm. 16 Hudson. Yeah. Um, that little girl has absolute <laughs> stubborn little attitude. Yeah. Right? She's very sure of what she thinks and what she wants and what how she's going to go about doing something. And I find that um, that's, you know, Revy has got a whole, in Black Lagoon, has a whole other lifetime of experiences um, that inform the way she behaves. It's a different kind of thing from Lola, obviously. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but, I mean, I would hate to uh, to be sitting down thinking I'm getting 16 Hudson and then to <laughs> then you're like, get Black Lagoon yeah. instead. I mean, you know, different genres, mm -hmm. audience, age. Absolutely everything. That's probably everything. the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, so And yet... Perspective. Perspective. Yeah. An opinion. Mm. A strong mindset about what they what they believe. Yeah. Um, writing. When something is well written, so when I get sides for an audition, if something is well written, it just comes out. Yeah. The the text supports what the character feels, has an opinion about, is experiencing how they express it. Um, and I always am interested in characters who, like, one of the things I teach and one of the things I, I tell my students is about everybody has, an, a, has a feeling about and a belief about how the world treats them mm. and how do they respond to that treatment. Sometimes yeah. that's based on, you know, their response is based on what kind of personality they have. Yeah. Um, anyway, so... That's what that's what appeals to me about a character. Like a little, every now and again, you get a little gritted teeth. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna take that pin out of Revy. Okay. Um, I also like really airheady characters too, by the way. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, putting a pin back in Revy. Sorry, Revy, but you're you're the character that you did in um in uh, Equestria Girls Rainbow Rocks was you know airheady. Yeah, I loved her. kind of Sonata. characters. Sonata. That was, I ca I still can't say enough good things about about that one, and I that's why I feel like you know yes, those of us who grew up in the eighties were like oh it was the golden age of children's entertainment and whatever, but a lot of that stuff 
we couldn't sit around as a fan. Like, I don't think my parents would enjoy sitting around, you know, sitting songs to or like, you know, watching He-Man or whatever. But like yeah. uh, Equestria Girls, Rainbow Rocks, like we have watched that so many times, like listened so many times, like a lot of the Barbie movies, I love like, the Barbie movies. you I know, those. so good, like, you know, and so like smart and slug Tara. Oh my God, Mario, when Mario was really little, they wrote, a, when they were three years old, they wrote a letter to um, Nerdcore, uh, to Burpee, oh, the, oh, the yeah, slug. slug, yeah, the slug. And, um, oh, so and the cute. team they were wrote back, like they were really, really lovely. But anyway, that's very the, nice the, the stuff that's being, uh, created um right now uh you know and it has for the last decade like it is a a second golden age or whatever golden age sure. or fourth whatever it is a it is a wonderful time you know where you know it's because it's the stuff that's being created now it doesn't assume that kids are are dumb like it's re it's really it's like it's it's treating kids with respect and adults with respect and you know and agreed yeah and i just like that i think that's why uh yeah, I enjoy it. Okay, Revy. Are you going to go back to her? I'm going to go back. Okay, cool. I think it's important um, because you said how important she she was for you. Tell me, tell me about where you were in your career and in your journey as a voice performer. You know, when she when she entered the scene for you, and you know, and and what you learned from that experience. Oh, it's interesting, actually. Kind of one of the things that I learned from that experience was that because um, initially they didn't they didn't have me on the list to read for Revy, and the voice director James Corrigal was like, "Why aren't you reading for Revy?" I was like, "I I don't know. I don't know what that is. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know." What and he was like, "That's bullshit." He's like, "Let's. Uh, I want you to read that." So I had already read for I think I'd read for Roberta. It's a role Tabitha played Tabitha Saint Germain. I think I'd read for Roberta. And so he was like, here, here's the Revy sides and just, you know, read them. And okay. Uh, so I, I looked them over and I, I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's just, let's put, you know, let's put one down. Um, Cause those were in the good old days of um, in, on, in person auditions. Right. Um, so we, you know, we did one and he, he gave me a couple notes. We tried a couple things and then that was that. And both James, especially, I think felt pretty, <laughs> felt pretty like, you know, like victorious when when it was me that booked the role because, um, as I say, they 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 didn't have me on the list to audition for it. So um, it's interesting that he saw something in you and in your and in your, you know, maybe you're reading for another character. Or, you know that you had the potential to, you know, really breathe life into this complete nihilist. Total. <laughs> um, I think. I think really he know like I'd worked with him so many times yeah. that I think he he knew me as actually as a person. Yeah. And knows my comfort with foul language. Yeah. Um and so I think that was it was actually me that he thought I think she she she'd connect well with this character. I think she'd bring the right kind of things to this character. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 not adverse to, you know, on a regular basis to curse um and and james and i you know when we would talk just in between you know takes or whatever you know it's constant kind of those kinds of that kind of convo those kinds of vocabulary shall we say um mm -hmm. so yeah i think that was kind of what it was is that it was more me <laughs> mm. and how did your work uh on black lagoon in black lagoon change you at all or or change your craft or change how you approach work or you know what in what ways has it imprinted on you 
I like to think that we carry a little bit of every experience, you know, into the, mm-hmm. into the next into thing. The next yeah. Hmm. To really appreciate how rare something like that actually is. Hmm. I think more than anything. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the second time that I've played something like that. Um, ever kind of an animation like yeah. I, well I, I'm not even sure if there's even been a second it's the I feel like maybe it's the one and only thing to so to really say and it was my favorite yeah and it's like you get one shot that's it you get one shot yeah but that doesn't mean it's not another one coming you never, you never know what's out there what's what's but yeah that there could be one opportunity to do the thing that you connect with and love the most, one. What a gift that is. Yep, big time. To have that. Yeah, big time. Yeah. I, I know you liked, um, I know, I mean, I know that you, there's a lot of joy when you talk about the experience. When you're voicing a character like Revy, when you're, when you're voicing Revy, mm-hmm. is it important to like her? as a person to like her choices to agree with her because you know as i say like she's uh you know a smoking drinking you know cussing killing nihilist you know i think it is probably i think that you know for me i mean i you know i can't say at all that like her her choices are the right choices or people should be running around doing the things that she did not at all not even close um but I found so much of that stuff in the context of a cartoon, an anime, amusing as hell. Mm. Um, and so for me, that was what appealed to me is I just found it so amusing. Yeah. Not approval of what she did, but I don't know. There's there's some, for me, there's some sort of a difference in there for myself. Um, and to like her, yeah, I think that I needed to like her for sure. Yeah. Um, Especially, you know, you it's almost like you need to be at least two different people when you're acting, right? Like mm. when I'm when I'm involved in being in 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 giving her speaking her lines, um I'm I'm you know, trying to be as much her as I can. But there's also an aspect of me that's separate, right? That I have to remember, you know, I've got mic technique. I can't be screaming at the top of my lungs. The engineer's gonna be like, what are you doing? Yeah. You've got to have a, a set of, of ways of working and protocol and professionalism that stop you from being a loose cannon that nobody wants to work with. Um, so I think there was always those two things in me, like being in, in, um, like amused by her insanity, understanding where it came from, because I always knew that that was the storyline. The yeah. storyline that comes out um, in Roberta's blood trail, I always knew that was what it was. I just knew it. I just knew oh, why okay. I knew why she behaved the way she did. I knew where that came from. I knew it had to come from something like that. Yeah. And it was specifically the thing that I thought. Mm. Um, and I won't ruin it for people. You can watch it. Um, and you should. <laughs> it's good. It's this only th- one of two things in my career that I've watched. I don't make a habit of watching. Sometimes I look at a half an episode of something on occasion. It's yeah. the only thing I've watched, the, all of it, 
because I liked the show. You liked the show. It's crazy good. Anyway. What's, um, what was the other one? Um, the Girl Who Leapt Through Time. I watched the whole movie. The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. Yeah. And I played this like small, the friend of the like main character. And are they in a flying basketball through time? No, they're not. They really missed an it's opportunity. They sure did. <laughs> yep, they sure did. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, that's, I. you know, I don't, I don't, I think you do have to like them. Yeah. In the moment that you're working as them. Yeah. And then when you're done that, you can not like them or you can, but in that moment, yeah, you gotta, I think you do. I do. I should say that. I think I do. I have to like them. Yeah. I have to be interested in them. I have to understand them. My husband has a tattoo that says, um, it's in old English, but it says to understand is to forgive. Mm. Um, he's mm. always walking, because I'm like, yeah. I am such a petty bitch and I have grudges <laughs> of everybody, I'm judging everybody. And he's like showing me his arm. I'm like, I don't want to understand and forgive. Care. I just want to be mad. <laughs> just want to be mad. I just want to be in the anger. Not, and then I'm like, oh crap, the minute I'm understanding, did I have empathy? And then I'm like, oh my God, fine, I forgive you. Yeah, but it's I challenging, hey? forget. It is so hard to be a good person, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I am a petty bitch. Um, That's funny. Uh, what is, I mean, and I know that there you have many credits on your very lengthy filmography and probably ones that aren't there because I know everybody, you know, commercials and, and mm. things as well that aren't represented right. there. What is the strangest character? And I don't mean like Ravi, you know, but I mean, but I mean like an inanimate object or yes. like, you know, I remember like, you know, um, Vincent Tong talking about voicing a piece of sushi, you know, and like trying to find oh, the yeah. voice for, for sushi. An yeah. You were an octopus in that. That's right. Sushi pack, yeah, I think it was called. It was called sushi pack. And I think he, I'm assuming he was tuna. She was a big, he, he, I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, that's his. That's his yeah, that's thing. His that's thing. his thing. What about what about yours? Oh, I know exactly. Right off the top of my head, there's this show called Gintama, and I played this character who was actually two people. So it was this strange person who pushed around this even straight. Well, maybe I don't even know which of the characters was stranger. A puppet in a in a like a not really a wheelchair, but like a well, let's just call it a wheelchair. Yeah, like so a the, stroller. Yeah. 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 But it looked like a chair. It was weird. I mean, okay. it's anime, right? Um, and literally, so this, I played both the people. So in, in my mind, how I squared that up was that the, 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 the human being was doing the voice like, like a marionette, right? Like a ventriloquist. And, but this puppet and this woman, this person, girl, young woman, who was like, it's whatever, the two, the two of them were bizarre. For example, there was one time where they had a, like a, there was some sort of a tea party and literally they turned the puppet around and everybody drank the liquid that came out of the puppet's butt. What? Yeah, that was, that was the, that, that show is in, absolutely insane. I, I would so, watch that from beginning to end. <laughs> yeah, I've never watched it actually. I should try. I should check that out. But yeah, because I have follow up questions, contacts, questions. That is amazing. That's you know what's amazing weird. too? Like most like actors who who you know they are only doing you know live action stuff do not have characters like that it's, at is, all. This is you the know, thing. In their filmography. Yep. I tell. I tell like. Um, you know, my, my, when I'm teaching, this is the opportunity for you to play 
anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we've got things that we really not, aren't supposed to, you know, we shouldn't be playing, right? Um, yeah. We got to be thoughtful about stuff. But but you can play a talking flower. Yeah. Like if you came on stage and said you were like a five-year-old child or a talking flower. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a weird play. Yeah. I mean, people would go, okay, I guess this is what we're doing here. Yeah, yeah. But- you know, in a movie, that'd be a very Tim Burton-esque type of movie. But in animation, it just is. It just is. You play is. all kinds of, you know, you come up with like, you know, characters for this stand that I'm holding. That oh, I'm my God. playing with this whole time. I have been watching. Yeah, I've been watching you, uh, Marika. It's Jamaica. Marika. Sorry. I got to say it. I got to do it. It's all good. No, you're good. You know what? I, I. And I'm a fiddler. That's why I'm always. You are a fiddler. You totally are a fiddler. Um, no, it's your name. It's your name. It is. Marika. Thank you. Um, when you are are uh, charged, sounds like you're going to jail. You're charged with building a voice. When you have the opportunity to build a voice, you know, you're given some sides and, you know, or or you've been hired without having to audition. Yeah. Sure, that must that's that must be amazing. Um, and they're like, do that thing you do and, and make a voice. Where do you start? Um, I start personality first. The personality tells me something about a character. And, you know, if you listen to little kids in a sandbox, they don't start voice first. They know that the dump truck is a big, strong, um, you know, rough and tumble. And so they just kind of, they just put their voice lower because yeah. that's how they feel. Yeah. And that's how I start. I start with what is this character's personality and how do they feel? And then I start to make adjustments from there. On occasion, I might use somebody as an inspiration. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, um, I just put, I just like did an audition where I used Obama as a, um, as a, there was something about, I don't know what it was. I can't tell you why, but it just struck me that this person might talk a little bit like Obama. Ugh. I miss him. I know. I, yeah. <laughs> you I miss hearing him talk. Such fantastic. <laughs> so it sounds that's nothing great. like Obama yeah. at all. It just doesn't. I mean, you'd be like, that's not Obama. And it's not. But there was something and uh, there was those little things like that that I, that I just had this feeling about. And so sometimes it's inspired by a little thing like that or somebody that I heard talking mm. um, that made me feel how they, how I assume they feel. I'm making yeah. grandiose assumptions that I have no right to make. But if you're just putting them in service of your characters, it's fine. Yeah. Um, at least I think it is. Um, if I saw somebody or heard somebody and and they struck me in a certain way, then that might be something I'd try. Um, there are also very practical at, things that you can do to change up the way you sound. Like you've got a, you've got all these resonators in your body right like you've your you know your nose what is it what does a voice sound like if you shove your vocal cords into your nose and how does that sound what's it sound like when you aim it to the top of your head how does it feel when you you sit a voice into your low in your belly mm -hmm. those resonators just change the way things and then you start to think about i start to think about like well what what rhythm what kind of rhythm does this person have are they like christopher walkenish right are they where you don't know what they're saying next how they're saying it um, or is it like pop music where it's very, you can dance on a dance floor to like, you know, certain kind of music because it's got a steady rhythm to it. Like what are, what are all those things? So that's kind of how I go about building, building my characters, but personality comes absolutely first and foremost. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, are you, so I know that, uh, the pandemic changed everything. Yeah. All sorts of things. Yeah. It has. Um, yeah. 
it's changed, you know, how and where people audition. I know that for the longest time, uh, for the last few years, people have not been in the booth together, not been in the room yeah. together. Um, are you back in, in the booth now with other people? Just like, had my first one. Wow, what was that week? like? Well, first it was like, whoa. But then it was fine. Yeah. Were there, like, how many other people were in there with you? One, two, three, four, eight, one, two, Four other people. Wow. That must have been. So five of us, yeah. Yeah. That was fun. It yeah, was really well, fun. Back to normal. Right, back to normal. And does it make, like, what kind of difference does it make, you know, to be recording, you know, shoulder to shoulder, you know, with your your compadres? I don't know why I said that word. Your, it's a good one. Your colleagues, your peers. I like compadres. I like compadres too, sorry. It's a good one. I second guess myself. Yeah, it's good. Um. Yeah, how does it change your, your your performance or impact your performance? At it's all? energy. Like it's just a crackling, a more crackling energy when you're there together with other people. I mean, personally, I didn't become an actor to sit at home and record in my closet all day. Mm. That's not what this no? is for me. And I know. No, you're kidding. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised at the number of people who now sit at home all day long and record for whatever market that they're working for yeah. by themselves. That is not why I became an actor. Yeah. It's listening and responding. It's working in a group. It's collaborating. It's creating something together. Yeah. The shared experience is the reason that I love the theater. It's a shared, immediate experience. Yeah. So I was uber appreciative that people did as much as they could, the best that they could to keep people safe when nobody knew what the hell was going on. Mm that we recorded alone. And I actually was a little bit more used to recording alone because I often recorded alone in Toronto mm. when I worked there. Um, but but it's better to record together. You get to hear how someone delivers a line and you respond in kind. Right. It surprises you. It changes the, it changes the way you respond, listening and responding. I mean, it's one of the cornerstones of acting. Um, and, you know, on occasion when we'd be recording, when I'd be recording my lines by myself during, you know, over the last three and a half years, the Nicole one time played me what somebody had delivered right before me because she knew that it would be significant for me, I think. Yeah. Um, so on occasion, but you can't be doing that like all the time um, in that kind of a uh, recording environment. You can't be constantly playing, trying to find the takes and, and playing oh, yeah. things back. So, yeah, it's it's the energy. It's the, it's the collaboration for me that... Um, is important. I almost hate to bring it up, but I got to because it's it's in the room with us. It's not. I wouldn't allow it in the room. AI. Mm. Um, yep. It's it's, uh, it's wild in our industry right wow. now. A lot of people, and I don't mean like it's wild. I mean, it's no, like it's no. running wild and there are certain people who want it to just be in be in charge and you know and and others who are like this is no we should not hand over our art our creation to to artificial intelligence and it is impacting the voice world I and mean, we will be having um a roundtable episode coming up soon where we talk about the impact of of ai and um the dangers associated you know with uh, trusting ai with, yeah with our with this especially with the segment of the industry what kind of concerns do you have around ai and are you seeing its presence at all in your work 
from the I'm, people you're working with? I mean, I think I'm probably starting to see it just because there's fewer things that I've been auditioning for. Um, there's a, a couple of other things that are happening right now. We've got a writer strike going on. Yeah, we've been locked out of union commercial work for the last 15 months. Right. Um, in a large portion of the work that's out there in Canada, um, and other things happening. But um, um, I yeah. But so I think that it's definitely taking some of my commercial work, stuff that I may be auditioning for that um, that is now going to be done by an AI for sure. I don't know if it's, people realize that yet, and I'm like I. You can hear. I mean, you can hear it if you really listen. You can really, yeah, listen. But it's, but it is becoming very quickly a lot more widespread. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, it's the same objection that I have to sitting around at home recording all my jobs. Not that I do that because I just don't. Sitting around recording all my work in a closet at home. That's yeah. not art. Yeah. It's the humanness and connection that makes art. And to think that. I mean, you know, I, I, if you ever want to know why something's happening, follow the money. Mm. That's why. Yeah. I mean, it's already been for a long time in the industry that if you're doing a voice commercial, I'm going to use Steph Curry again. You either <laughs> want Steph Curry for 5 million to do your commercial, or you want a non-union actor to do it for 50 bucks. Yeah. And now... You want Steph Curry to do it for $5 million or you want an AI to do it for nothing. Hmm. That's a problem. Yeah. There's a certain aspect of this that, you know, I think I've used this example when talking about it with different friends and it reminds me of the Midwest in the United States in all those towns where they had a, a mill or an auto plant. Mm -hmm. Those jobs left the Midwestern United States years ago and they never returned. Yeah. The rest about. Yeah. Yeah. Is that going to happen to us? Maybe. And it's... You know, it's uh, and and no one wins there. I mean, the only one who people yeah. who do win are the people at the top making money, right? That's right. You know, the the anybody who is invested in the art, you know, from the. I mean, you talked about the part of your joy equation, right? Yep. The yeah. the, audience the audience and also the the artists. You know, they don't win at all. No, and there's a lot of things about art that you understand on a subconscious level that we don't necessarily articulate, we can't point to it, but the audience will not get, I don't think, the same level of satisfaction from consuming the art that they would if it was a real human voice doing yeah. it. It just, I just, they're not gonna know. They're not gonna necessarily know. Yeah, yeah, not consciously, but they'll, they'll feel it. Something. Something. So I don't know. I mean, I hope I hope that it doesn't happen, but uh, there's an aspect of things where I, some, yeah. in some ways, I don't have a lot of faith in some things. I think the awareness so. is good. I think the labor actions are good. That's just me. Uh, I think so too. It's the yeah. only way. It's the you only know, way. it's it's the only way to to try and force the issue. Um, but it's it's hard when the general public, you know, people have other things to care about. They have other things. They got their own jobs to worry about. Like, yeah, you know. 
Yeah, well, AI isn't going to stop just with with the art. No, it's already not. I mean, there yeah. are tons of people laid, being laid off at things like Google and stuff like that because yeah. the because AI is doing that job now. Or crisis helplines. Oh my lord, are you kidding? I am. I Jeez. wish I was. It's oh, so dystopian. My. It is. I don't know how to. I mean, I know I said that I don't have like a Q and A thing, which is like question answer question answer yeah. Yeah, or question opportunity for answer question opportunity. But like, I do. I do have a question that I want to ask yeah, as, we, sure. as we near the end of our time today, but it's not like, it's hard to segue from AI to I know, this. Eh? Doom and gloom and the world's going to blow up because AI is going to push the button. And it's, and it's such like, it's like, it might sound like a strange question, no, but okay. I'm obsessed with this. And I think maybe it's leftover from, you know, when I was a voice major at this performing arts high school, mm-hmm. it's about throat care. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> I, I know. I know. I mean, this is your this is your instrument. Yeah. This I, no one else can see what I'm doing, but I'm like I'm stroking my neck here. So this is your instrument. I mean, it's your whole body, right? It is. You know, but specifically, totally. you know, the throat area. What are what are some of your your uh, my go tos? Oh, and well, because here's the thing. So this is the first time this has happened to me. I've lived here in Vancouver for 20 years. Okay. I've, since I've I've moved out from Ontario. Um, I went back uh, to Ontario to spend Christmas in Whitby with my sister and her baby. And it's my first time in 20 years that I had laryngitis and <gasps> for a month after Brutal. I got back. Yeah. So I got like a bad respiratory thing, oh, laryngitis. I couldn't speak. I, I couldn't too. record. And I was like, what? <clears throat> so I was like, first I was like, oh, this is why I moved to Vancouver. So I don't have to, you know, deal with those cold and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it just made me like really a little scared about, you know, throat care and stuff. So what do I do? You know, Tim, what, what can we all do if we have a little tickle in our throat and we want to look after our our instruments? What are some of your go-to? Um, if I start to feel like a tickle in my throat, I'm immediately with the oil of oregano. Oh, yeah. I'm, it's gross. It but you burns. just do it. I it burns. It burns. And you're talking pure, they're like non-caplets. Like you're talking about the pure The oil. drops, but they have to be in like, you can't just put like oil of oregano in your throat. It has to be in an olive oil solution. Yeah, yeah, okay. Which most of them are like that. You can't, I don't. I don't yeah, otherwise it would super duper burn. Oh yeah, it'd be like a like burn, like it would just be, see your front of your whole like mouth and face like just like you know disintegrate. We don't want that. Yeah. Um, so I go with that. That's my thing. That's what I start doing. Hopefully, you pound the vitamin C. Um, for things like if you're going on a plane, like my chiropractor told me this a long time ago, just suck on a a, a zinc lozenge because it'll coat your throat so that things will bypass if you're gonna attach things in your throat. Zinc lozenge is preventative. Apparently. Oh it's like a coat it gives a coating. So I do that. Um ninjom, I've never had to use ninjom, but it's so it's like a Chinese herbal cough medicine. Ninjom. I believe it's N I N J I O M Ninjom. It's amazing. It's amazing. I just had laryngitis in like November. I didn't talk for like I couldn't talk for like four days. What you okay Tell me how you felt because for me, like I was having panic. I'm like, because of course, like I'm a catastrophic thinker. So like I couldn't make any sound. I'm like, I'm done with podcasting. I can't. And then I had this and one of my cats. I love her, but she's always like, if I sneeze, she runs away. Like she's like that kind of precious bitch. You know, (laughs) love you, Vanessa. Um, But you know, but like, (laughs) but I think like I'm generally too loud for her, Mm, you know? So then she was like hanging out with me more and I'm like, what? So this is it? Like, cause I'm (gasps) silent now. That's so shame, I love that. Such an asshole. 
such an ass. I mean, my other cat was just there because he just loves me and he loves the food I give him. Aww. You know, but Vanessa was like, oh, I think I like you now because you're not making any sound, Sabrina. That's funny. So I'm like, that's my life now is I'm silent and Vanessa likes me and I'm not a podcaster anymore. So so like to those four days then when you had laryngitis, were you like, or you were just more sane about it I was, than I was. Well, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I don't know if about scene, but uh, yeah, I just kind of go, eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't have anything to record. I mean, in the olden days too, like, um, you know, if you were sick and you had a session, you were going to lose the role. And that still is true probably for commercials. They've got a certain timeline that they've got to get it out on the air yeah. in a, a much shorter period of time. But in the animation world, you know, they can pick you up in the next episode. So you're not going to lose the job. But before, I would have been terrified that I was going to lose the gig. Wow. Um, but I didn't have any recording sessions. And again, things are a little bit more, a tiny bit more flexible. Like if you are sick, then then uh, then there's no expectation to come in. Yeah. Um, what other things they're good like you know in studio and stuff like that i always have like water um a little bit of lemon juice is good for your kind of little astringent i don't know if that's the right word but um i believe you you're basically a doctor <laughs> yes yes please call me dr Hendricks. um and what else you know don't you can't be yelling but the other thing that people don't really realize is you can't be whispering either whispering is almost harder on your voice than yelling yeah. Really? Yes. Really. Yes. What's the volume? I don't even know. Is that funny? Yeah. yeah. I, it's not great for you. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. That's a lot of strain. Yeah. So I don't yell. I, I mean, I yell when I'm watching games, but I try not to just because, yeah, not good. I mean, I yell, but that's because I'm Ukrainian and Indian. And yeah, uh, that's just what I do. So that's why Vanessa doesn't like me. Oh. We are nearing the end of our time together today. I'm sad. Boo. Yeah, I've enjoyed this. Me too. Isn't it good, like your first your first wide bear screen scene podcast. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, it's been nice. Thanks, to have Sabrina. You. Thanks for like asking those questions and. Well, I got one more. Okay. Yeah. This because is a time I travel to look question. Look at my red cheeks anymore. Yeah. For everybody can't see me, I'm sure my cheeks are beet red. I'm I get overheated so easily. Oh well, you're. Is, I'm sorry. You're you're sitting in a ray of sunshine. It's very warm thing. right now. Which is a good thing. I like it. It's just that people probably look at me and go, "I didn't know I was interviewing a tomato." Okay, I was not thinking that. Uh, number one, I wasn't thinking that. Two, have you ever voiced a tomato? No, I was thinking about Sausage Party and there was no yeah. tomato. <laughs> no, tomatoes I, haven't. I don't think I've ever that. voiced a tomato. Anyway, I'm sorry, I went off You topic. need to have a nicer, like, say, nicer, like, inner voice. Say nicer things to yourself. Yeah, seriously. Doesn't say nicer true, voice. Actually. Oh, it's voice. It's all full uh, circle. Ominous. Whoa. Okay, sorry, I went so off on a tangent. Go I, that's what we do here. That I mean, that's why you're right at home. Okay, we're getting back into the Steph Curry basketball of time okay, travel. Okay, time travel. Um, and we're going to go back to the beginning of your career as a voice artist. Mm -hmm. You know, very, very, like right at the beginning. Um, and, you know, you're, you're new to this. It's, you don't know what's in store for you yet. Mm-hmm. You have a minute to give yourself some advice, some words of yeah. wisdom. You know, what would you say to yourself? Or would you not say anything at all? Because that's a choice too. Silence while she thinks. I don't know if I would say anything to myself. 
like you are where you are because you are where you are. Aren't we? Um, aren't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, you know, there are other aspects of my career. Like I've, you know, had several fights, rip-roaring, screaming fights with directors and casting directors. Yeah. But I never had those problems in VO. Um, I never had that kind of antagonistic uh, situation pop up. Hmm. Maybe, maybe I think the one thing I might tell myself is to keep like, to keep singing. Cause I used to do musical theater yeah. and I, and I didn't, do, I didn't continue that as much. And it's interesting to see the effect that VO doing VO voice, as a voice actor to play, especially playing little kids and things like that, mm. that has had some effect on my singing voice. And I think maybe just to keep up singing a little bit more, yeah. really. But, but, but I know I don't think I really. Hmm. I got a follow up question. Then make a commercial demo earlier. There's a good one. Go ahead. Make a commercial commercial, commercial demo, earlier. demo earlier. Like when I was a kid, like a teenager. Yeah. What do you think? And we're not. We're no longer in the basketball of time travel. <laughs> what do you think, ten year old you? The ballet dancing Hellcat. Wishing. You know, what What do you think that that she would think of the the life career that you've built for yourself? She'd probably be like, I fucking told you. <laughs> <laughs> I think she'd think it was pretty cool. I think yeah. she'd be like, you know, you... You st- you put your you put your nose to the grindstone and you just did it. You just I, there was a quote once, and I identify with it. Somebody asked coach, of course, because all of my stuff is sports analogy. Um, you like you must have had so much confidence to pursue this 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 dream of yours and the person said the coach said i don't think i was confident i just wasn't afraid hmm cuz I, I and i thought yeah i'm not i'm not confident necessarily i'm just just not afraid and i wasn't afraid when i was 5 and 10 and I mean, you have moments obviously but yeah yeah you Feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is, of course, the definition of courage. Yeah. But yeah, I don't even think as a kid I was even, I wasn't afraid. This wasn't. It was just what I was doing. Yeah. It was very, like, pragmatic in a way. Yeah. So. Wow. I don't know if that answered the question. I mean, it answered that question and three others. This <laughs> has been an absolute fucking delight. Thank you. For me as well. Thanks, We're, Sabrina. Thank you. Marika, Marika. Yeah, here you go. Marika, Jamaica. Marika. Marika Hendricks. Yeah. Where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on social media, oh. not in real life? Damn, don't be creepy. Yeah, don't be creepy. Uh, well, um, you'll be all disappointed to know that I don't use social media very much at all. Um, I do have a Twitter account, but I don't look at it. Okay. Um, that's something that I'm actually really bad at, and I know that it's been, it's not good. Like you gotta, you gotta sometimes do some practicality. Hey, maybe that's something I should have told myself. Um, commercial demo, 
social media yeah just be a little bit more just use it a little bit more yeah it's beyond my it's beyond my something it's beyond your something it's beyond my something anyway so but i am on twitter so if you maybe one day if you hit me up i might see it um and i do have instagram but i really don't use that like so and i'm starting to build a i'm starting to get a website together that's nice, definitely okay. what I do have to do. I do. I've had a domain name for 20 years. It's MarekaHendricks.com. But if you go there, there's nothing there. So maybe you need to get into your own basketballs of time travel That's and right. travel far into the future to get visit MarekaHendricks.com. Dot com? Yep. Okay. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe Marika's website will be updated. Yep, maybe so. <laughs> I'll get on that. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you, Marika. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Sabrina. Thank you, listeners. This was a good one, right? I can see you all nodding in agreement. All right, like, subscribe, leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners and we can keep having rad conversations like the one we had today. You can find us at YVRScreenScene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVRScreenScene and at SabrinaArmf. I was going to say also on Mastodon, but I haven't really recently and i did just get a tiktok for why Bear screen scene and mari was so happy about it but yeah i don't know if i'm ever gonna update that but why am i whispering it's requiring more effort apparently okay <laughs> the why Bear screen scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me sabrina rani mera Furminger, and it's edited by simon Furminger. special thanks to mariana Furminger for recording our patreon ad to paul Furminger for technical support and to Dane, not Furminger, doubling for the original music. But you know what, Dane? You are a Furminger to me. And you know what? Mareka, so are you. There's no benefits to being a Furminger, though. There is. (laughs) You just get a job on the podcast, apparently. I like that. that. (laughs) My Bear Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! Hey filmmakers, did you know that you can hire top quality, experienced, and professional actors for your films? If you're producing a student film for course credits, working on a web series, a short or a feature film, you can afford to have some of the best talent in the business in your production. How, you ask? Well, UBCP Actor has an ultra-low budget program which offers a range of options that cover everything from student films to productions with a $300,000 budget. There is a ULB program that will meet your needs, regardless of your budget. To learn more, visit ubcpactor.ca and look for ultra-low budget programs or email ulbprogram at ubcpactra.ca. Now is the time to jumpstart your dream for the screen.